0: Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmé, and founder of The Place Retreats, and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. On this week's Your Next episode, our guest is Tova Lee. I'm Louise. And I'm Amy. And today we're just going to jump
2: straight into our interview with Tova because there's been so much to discuss. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I found this week very heavy and quite emotional and there's a lot. And I think it's highlighted the fact that both racism and violence against women are endemic in some parts of our society.
0: Yeah, and if you haven't come across Tova Lee, she's an author, podcaster, content creator, and performer. She's absolutely massive on Instagram, where she celebrates and champions women. And she doesn't mince her words while she's doing it. So uh, let's just dive straight into our chat with Tova earlier today.
2: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Welcome, Tova, and thanks for coming on today. Um, So more and more women in their 40s and 50s certainly are sort of listenership, are are listening to podcasts and loving social media, going on Instagram. But for those of of them who have never come across you before, could you give us a little sort of intro to you? Who are you? What do you do? What are you about? So it's like my elevator pitch, right? Oh, (laughs) yeah.
0: I think we're just going to use that phrase in future, yeah.
3: Oh, God. Um, Well, I'm totally... And I'm on social media. I don't know. I hate like having to try and define what it is that I do because I I don't know what it is that I do. And it also changes. Uh, So I guess uh, the short uh, version of it is that I started a few years ago, a small blog, because I was really struggling as a new mom. I refrain from saying young mom. because
2: (laughs) Were you a geriatric mom (laughs) mom like me?
3: I I think so. I don't know. It's considered over 35 is considered geriatric, which is a joke anyway, but yes, yeah. probably, um, started a small blog that was mainly about motherhood and parenting and, uh, kind of started doing videos, uh, sort of went viral and kind of before I knew it, I was what you would maybe call a, a content creator slash influencer. I don't know. And, um, I wrote a book last year. Are we allowed to say sweary words? Here? Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh,
0: yeah.
3: So the book was called, uh, it's called Fucked at 40. And it kind of talks about midlife crisis, women uh, turning 40 and what that means. Uh, and uh, I just went through what I call a midlife crisis and, wanted to sort of redefine myself and you know searching for my long lost (laughs) sexuality and other things uh and um and and yeah, now I sort of, that's kind of what I do. So it's hard to say, uh, but I am on Instagram and all the platforms and everywhere and just, yeah.
2: <laughs> and you've also got a very successful podcast with your husband, Mike, don't I you? Do. Uh, Till Death Do Us Pod, I love that. Uh, what's all that about? Who is that aimed at? Um, so Till Death Do Us
3: Pod uh, is... Actually, a work in progress. Uh, we still don't know what it is, but we are testing it, and we are carrying. We are kind of evolving as we go along. Uh, I think it was a way for us to do something together, which we always wanted to. And Mike's uh, very much in the world of podcasts, regardless, because he does football podcasts and he produces put pod- uh, podcasts. So he has like a massive background in that world, and uh, we just wanted to do a husband and wife podcast without it being a husband and wife podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it's kind of a lot of banter. Recently, we started bringing guests on, which has been really fun because we're not that interesting. So actually talking to other people <laughs> <laughs> has been great. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's work in progress. I don't know who our listeners are. Actually. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, but hopefully people who like a bit of banter. And we do talk about um, things that ha- are happening, you know, in the news and, yeah. you know, significant moments and, and stuff like that.
2: But who's got time to go into the analytics and insights and find out demographics <laughs> and age groups of listeners, right? I mean, I saw a thing on online this weekend about um, uh, somebody who was like, I love podcasts where it sounds like it's just two people in a cupboard working out what to talk about rather than, you know, like a Radio 4 style yeah. podcast where it's very, very sort of, you know... Clinical and and too yeah. uh, saccharine or whatever. Um, so your, your book, Fucked at 40, it's interesting. We've had quite a few authors on who have even had, uh, they, they've um, been met with blockers when they're using the word vagina or menopause <laughs> in the title. How did you get on with Fucked at 40? I guess that is aimed at very much those people like you saying before who do feel like oh what the hell happened to my life yeah I mean it's funny that you would say
3: that that words like vagina would be a blocker like that's quite shocking isn't know? it uh,
2: in the light yeah. of current circumstances isn't it
3: it's just so I mean yeah we can talk like for hours now about the undertones of what that is but um yeah I mean obviously I I chose a swear word and I put a little star in there instead of the letter U which was yeah. supposed to obviously help but it didn't <laughs> 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 reality it so didn't and it was very hard to get the book i think out uh, to the general public in, in a way that we potentially would have wanted to. Uh, but I still love the title. And I think it's very, very accurate for what the book is. So, like, maybe if there was a more uh, nice title, it would have sent out the wrong message. So
2: this is accurate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we talk a lot about this on this podcast. It's funny you said, said before, is it OK to swear? I mean, we are like drunken sailors sometimes on here, <laughs> you know. But, uh, and, then, and, and then we say, like, why don't we have any sponsorships? Um, And and obviously it's like, oh, well, the people, mostly men, mostly white, cis, uh, middle-aged, middle-class men in boardrooms making decisions are like, well, women don't swear, so we can't possibly, you know what, you know, it's, yeah, the whole thing is just so insane, isn't it? I mean, I can talk
3: about like the censorship of the social media and probably traditional media as well, but I'm in social media. So it's easier for me to talk from my own experience, like for hours, you know, you talk about sponsorship 100%. I I did a one woman show off the back of the book and one of the stories I tell there is how I lost a massive sponsorship deal from a very well-known series brand, which I can't mention by name. (laughs) Wink, wink. But we all have it in our cupboard uh, and uh, in our pantry. And um, (laughs) it was because I had an image on my Instagram whereby I was sitting on the sofa with my kids around me and I was hugging them and my feet were up on the coffee table. And at the bottom of my uh, my my socks were the words fuck off. And it was, uh, you know, representation. I think of how moms love their kids, blah, 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 blah. But sometimes want them to fuck off. And I have not yet met a woman who hasn't felt that way. And mm. most of the times we don't say it to their faces, but as soon as they turn around, we're like, thank you, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck, you know. Okay. But apparently, according to, you know, like you said, the the big brands, the family-friendly brands, which I hate, hate, hate to even that there is that definition, they want to see women slash moms in a very, very particular way. Yeah. And if you don't, if you are not that, then yes, it'll cost you work 100%, uh, which is why I work with so many vibrator brands because they're fantastic. So
0: my tip to you is vibrator brands. Right. <laughs> Write that down, Amy. Write that down. Yeah, exactly. so, You know, Tova, you, you are really loved and respected for speaking up for women very loudly and giving messages that, you know, people really want and need to hear and being a change maker. And, you know, this last week has been uh, a big one, uh, you know, so... You know, first of all, you know, Wednesday, um, there was a poll, and I know you've talked about it on your Instagram, um, that revealed that the extent of the abuse and harassment that pretty much all young women face, 97% of them, um, and that 80% of women of all ages have experienced sexual harassment in public spaces, and the fact that women constantly have to modify their behaviour to avoid this, and, and that conversation was amplified uh, uh, the next day, you know, last week with the terrible news of Sarah Everard's case, and you know, and women are uh, at the moment scared, and they're very angry. And you know, the vigil for Sarah Everard on Clapham Common on Saturday night turned into a protest, and the police have been really criticised for their behaviour at that event. How did you feel watching the footage? Of that event. I mean, I think before even talking about the police,
3: because I understand why the conversation has shifted to the police, because obviously... You know the, the suspect in this specific case is a police officer and you know other kind of insights and information has come out about police just in general and i know domestic abuse with partners that are in police is like a big thing so i understand why the conversation has has kind of shifted to that but i think what you were saying to begin with is actually where the focus should be and that is everything else all the other statistics that you that you highlighted and a few months ago, I I wrote a post and I'm trying to think why I even wrote it, if something had happened or if it was just another one of those posts where I just wanted to highlight something. Um, and it was about how I consider myself one of the lucky ones, because in my personal experience, I've over, only ever been, you know, lightly harassed, lightly abused. Lightly. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I kind of like listed all the things I had gone through and so I went, but I'm one of the lucky ones. And how how horrific is that? Like how wrong is that even concept to begin with? That, oh, mm-hmm. but I didn't get raped. So, you know, I I, I I wasn't murdered. So I'm one of the lucky ones. And it was really interesting because the response to that um post was from so many women. Oh my God. I never realized that that's how I perceived myself and what that actually means, how we've accepted all the statistics that you've just shared as part, as a simple part of being a woman, you know? Um, so I feel like that's where my focus is at the moment, even though I totally understand why people are focusing on the police and, and their handling of the situation. But to answer your question, it of course made me feel very uncomfortable and, um, I don't I don't know if I felt angry, but I felt very uncomfortable and just very sad. Um, And it just validates what, you know, I've been saying for a very long time, and that is that everything needs to change from the foundation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This morning on Sky News, they had the um, policing minister, uh, Kit Malthouse, making excuses. Like it sounded to me, making excuses. He was saying mm-hmm. the police were in very difficult, a very difficult position. Um, you know, and I would like it's not difficult not to sort of lash out and try and punch someone in the face. Um, and you know, and apparently, you know, they're devastated um, as well. Was another one you've got to understand. Police are devastated because um, it appears one of their police officers is responsible for Sarah Everard's murder. Um, uh, and you know, that- I mean, that is that is gaslighting. I, I hate to sort of hijack that word. Mm. from from all the
2: other discussions we had around blm but that that's sort of like um oh, we're upset too you know yeah, yeah. Do you know uh, what i yeah. mean and and that is sort of like uh, um shameful really isn't it but we now we maybe we now have that vocabulary
0: mm. but i also i think you hear like other people making excuses as well not just for the police but for men in general, you know, like all like mm, yeah. almost like they can't help it. And do you know who I think is actually the worst at that is women my age. I've I've really noticed do this sort of, um, uh, just, yeah, this sort of making excuses for men and highlighting that you know women aren't behaving properly. Which goes back to what you were saying about how yeah, victim, you know, when yeah, when you were talking about the sponsorship and that you know yeah. women are expected to behave nicely and politely and gently and kindly. What is going on that we all collude with this? Mm -hmm. I think Mm. that you're touching on,
3: um, you know, misogyny and how it's played a massive part in in everything to be honest. Like I I really do think that if you peel the layers off a lot of what's happened and a lot of recent events, not just uh, Sarah Everett but you know, uh Megan Markle interview, yeah. which I talked about a week earlier and a lot of other things, a lot of the times that women are in the in well in the head in the headlines, right? There's misogyny underneath it. And I think that women um are can can be misogynistic is that a yes. word as yes. well yes that's word yeah. <laughs> um, but but my i i i like to i i mean I, I would say in their defense, there's so many things that I can say in their defense. You know, our society is founded on misogynistic ideas and we have been brainwashed, uh, men and women alike. Uh, so when somebody says those things, uh, I can understand why she's saying them and I understand where it comes from. I can get angry about it as well, but actually I can also be very understanding why that's happened. And I think, especially when when it came to Sarah, one of- of the things that i saw that women were doing was you could see how underneath all of it was victim blaming i.e the outrage in my opinion was selective um i you know people are very outraged and scared and and there's a big, you know, because, because it's very easy to kind of go, well, she did nothing wrong. She was just walking home. It could have been any of us. My argument is it could be any of us at any given time. And actually whether you were raped at a party because you were drunk or whether you found yourself in an abusive relationship and you stayed in that relationship for 10 years, makes no difference. That could have been any of us always. And victim blaming plays a massive role in that. And, but again, to the defense, to defense, I would say is that it is very, very scary, I think, for us as women to accept the notion that it could have been any of us in any of those those circumstances. I think that part of victim blaming is that we want to hold on to the false feeling of security, to the false idea that if we do X, Y or Z, yeah. we will be safe, because knowing and accepting the fact that that is bullshit is fucking terrifying yeah, is. and it's- why would anybody want to accept that you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to
0: and i think there's those layers underneath that play a massive massive part in that so there are reasons why yeah that uh, violence against women isn't taken seriously i have never thought of it In that way. I mean, government doesn't take it seriously either. And action, you know, anger is understandable, but we need to, like, take some action as well, don't we? I think that a lot of other vigils went on
2: around the country. And and, um, there's pictures coming out of those now where the police have stood back, everyone's taking a minute, there's silence. So something just got a bit fucked up over there at Clapham. Louise was saying before, whenever you saw the footage of a uniformed police officer going in, you'd have. A guy, a colleague stood back, reining him back. Like you, I have
3: seen on the news, you know, reports on it and comparing it to gatherings that were allowed and didn't get permission. And even sporting gatherings that got permission that were less important, obviously, than this one. From what I could see on the news, there was it definitely did look like a... Uh, unprovoked way way beyond the what you you know violence that shouldn't have happened whether
0: it has to do with the fact that it's a police officer and the whole sensitivity of that I don't know today you know they're calling to get rid of Cressida Dick but that again other people have said this and I would tend to agree that there is a bigger issue than that yeah just getting rid of her
3: and I actually think that that really distracts from, like I said, the main the main issue, mm. um, you know, because when we talk about taking action, I don't mm. think that's the action that's going to change, uh, you know, the, the 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 foundation that's problematic. That's not the action that's going to do it. Um, you know, when I think about how we change then obviously change will never happen quickly. That's an obvious and it does take time and there's waves of change, of course. But for me, across the board, I would say one really massive important change has got to be actually at the legislation level, uh, better laws. And then you go back a tiny bit and you go, well, who's making the laws? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, it's men making laws. So what comes before that? Right. So more women in positions of power. Right. So that's what we need. And you kind of peel the layers and you realize that it's a lot of different changes that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's like in the in the big, you know, the big thing. So as a, as a member of the public, that's not in that world. I would suggest if people are feeling helpless and they go, right, so I want legislation to change and I want people I want more women in positions of power that can also enforce those laws and that prosecute those, you know, those those mm. and go after those convictions. But how can I do it? I'm just a member of the public. So my suggestion, the easiest thing or not the easiest thing, but the first thing that comes to mind is to support uh, women's charities that uh, that work uh, on that Mm -hmm. and so there's so many amazing women women's charities but uh, some of them that is their agenda their agenda is legislation so it's basically lawyers uh female lawyers who go out there and try to change laws and not necessarily even in your own country it could be laws in other countries that need it even more than we do Mm. uh need those changes Uh, i work closely with equality now who i think are a brilliant charity which you know is is a great place to start but there's a lot of other ones, and people need to do the research. Uh, and then on the individual level, I've said this before, and I do realize that this statement is sexist by itself. But I do believe that we are living within sexist parameters, so I'm I'm allowed to say this. Mm. Is that I do think that men will play a massive part in. A change, a real change, and I base this on the fact that women alone are not being heard, and if we were being heard, this wouldn't be happening. Things would be different. So it's a it's a fact that we're not being heard, or not not being heard enough, not being you know not being heard quick enough, and men will have to play a massive role in 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 change. Um, you know, the whole uh, hashtag not all men again. want to go into that because it distracts but what Mm. it has highlighted is that actually not all men do enough no so it's Mm. great if you don't rape and it's great if you don't murder and it's great if you don't make the rape joke and all that but do you call that out when you see it do you go out of your way to call the behavior out and and i think that's a that's a major key and of mm-hmm. course, what you've said, Amy, is like how we educate boys versus how we educate girls. Uh, the notion that we're focusing on more and more how to limit and shrink girls' even lives even more than they have already is preposterous and does not lead to a solution. It has to come from the other way, which is what you said about how we talk to boys, how we teach them consent, how we, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. So there's
2: loads of areas, you know, that need to change and work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying before, it, it has to be the men who have those conversations, those those conversations that they're having when women are in the room. When the women leave that room, that needs to be the same energy in the same tone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. there's been, a, there's been a, so much over the last year or so where I'm kind of like, you know, stuff that, stuff that is said within a group of friends or, or you know, like a, a, you know, if we're all a, a family gathering, especially with the older generation, it's like, granddad, you can't say that anymore. And it's like, oh, God, Amy's been, Amy's been a, you know, woke snowflake problematic. She's she's killing the buzz. It's like, no, we're not doing this anymore. This is I'm not my children are not going to hear that anymore. And it's the same. It's the same thing with. um with With this issue as well, uh oh, look at me going off on tangents and not arriving at any particular question um, i did, <laughs> I did just want to say um I've noticed this morning there's a there's a hashtag going around saying if it was me, I think it was started by um is it Natalie at star me Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like um <laughs> Like I was saying, you know, violence towards black women, non-white women and and trans women is not reported as loudly and emotively. And, you know, that's also something that we need to look at, isn't it? So that's what I started.
3: uh, That's what I was saying earlier on. It, the selective outrage mm-hmm. and I don't actually think it's just race by the way that makes people selective. I think race plays a big part in it for sure, but not just yeah. that, you know, people are very, uh, very easily kind of not concerned when things just are not happening at their doorstep. So yeah. like any, any things that happen in outside of our country, just, Don't really get any recognition. Why I don't know. Uh, And like I said, anything that you can sort of uh, again that falls under the victim blaming category, i.e., you can sort of understand
2: why it happens. Her skirt was quite short, and those heels were quite high. Yeah, well, you know, she
3: did drink a lot. I mean, I see. This is and this does bother me because I I talk about um, rape culture a lot. This is not the first time I've touched that topic. I talked a lot. uh, I I talked about the I N Napa rape case, you know, which was mm. a, 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 a white English girl, um, but you know, I, I I didn't see people reacting with such outrage when that mm. happened, you know, because I'm guessing enough people thought, well, she was drunk at a party, she did go into a room with thirty people, what did she think was going to happen? I mean, they didn't say it, but you sort of hear what they in were the in silence, you mm. know. Yeah. So mm. this is the issue: the the selective outrage, one hundred percent, is a problem. Mm. If you're going to be against by, against male violence against women, you you can't be selective. A male violence against women is unacceptable and is never justified, ever, ever. Nobody wants to be abused in a relationship. Nobody wants to be raped by 30 men. Nobody wants to be murdered on the street on the way home. Nobody Uh, And that's it. Mm. And there's Mm. nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say after that. Mm. And by the way, just to tell you, uh, because I was talking about, I'm talking about selective outrage in, in the video that I just released on Instagram, which has been shared now by so many people and is really, has really resonated about Sarah. Um, somebody messaged me privately and she said, listen, I want you to know that my husband's a wonderful man and he really is a supporting husband and a great father. And please don't get, take this as a reflection of his character. But I told him over the weekend that I was really, really... Upset And sh- I was shooken up by what's happened. And he said to me, why? And I said, well, because, you know, it could have been me. And he turned around to her and said, well, you wouldn't have been dumb enough to walk home at 930 at night. Mm. So even with her Within. doing everything right, mm-hmm. there are still people out there who think like that, because in their minds, the issue is what the woman did rather than what happened rather than the male violence. And mm. that is the root of the problem.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think for anybody listening to this now, who has had those conversations in their homes and have come up against a little bit of that with the person that they, they, they love, they procreated love. with, yeah. they pay the mortgage with, you know, um, you know maybe put out every third wednesday like i do dutifully <laughs> no i'm joking i'm joking it's at least sort of uh, it's nowhere near as often as that um but yeah it, it is I, i've had to sort of say uh, god dan my husband i'm not throwing him under a bus here he doesn't listen to this anyway it's fine um you know i, I have to say sort of like god Every time I've managed to get home when I was in my 20s in London and only got sort of touched up on the tube, like you were saying before, Tova, all those sort of close shaves that we've all had. It's like my heart races at the thought of like, that was just pure luck. Mm -hmm. That was just pure luck that I was in, that I wasn't in the wrong time at the wrong place. And I think that it's those conversations and we're going to have to keep having those conversations. And it's uncomfortable and it's messy and it's hard work. And you think, fuck. Uh, You know, like, I thought we were more... I thought you would get this, but the fact is, this is not within their realms of their experience. And there is that thing of, like, oh, this has got... I'm not a murderer. I'm not a rapist. Of course you're not, darling. There's that, but Mm -hmm. there's also...
3: The privilege of putting your head in the sand, yeah. which I think that women don't have, uh, so that's why we we have manipulated ourselves to believe to ourselves to believe that there's something we can do to keep ourselves safe, which is what I said earlier. But men, you know, can you? Can I listen. Let's be honest here. The thought of our own daughters how, going through some of the stuff that you, you know they're going to go through right? Mm -hmm. It's so painful. Mm -hmm. It's so painful. And as women, you have nowhere to hide from that pain because you know, you know that something's going to happen. So all you can do as a woman is, uh, uh, is, is operate through the rules that they've given you, which is Mm -hmm. okay. Right. So don't walk at night. Don't do that. And don't do that. And that is your way to cope with that pain. Men have the privilege to not feel that pain. And I think that if fathers ever felt They felt the pain that they actually could imagine, could imagine the horrors about their daughters. They wouldn't be able to put their heads in the sand, but because they don't experience the pain, they're they're capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody said on Facebook uh, the other day, it wasn't an uh, influencer or anybody, just somebody on comments on threads that I was following said something about like maybe, you know, there is a, there is more of a recognition now that men have to play a bigger role in this. Fine. Great. But the question is, how do we motivate them to take part in that? Because telling them we feel unsafe has not motivated them. So that's not it. Okay. Uh, they, you know, of course they did it. They didn't know. And I believe that, and I'm having loads of conversations with my husband about that. I get it, but that's not motivated them enough to actually do something about it. Um, and she was talking about, just what i said now like is there a way to bring them into the conversation as a real parts in the conversation as fathers as sons as brothers as people who you know who who don't want this to happen to somebody who they love Mm -hmm. Uh, and i don't know if that's the direction i don't know i'm just saying what i heard that kind of made me go oh maybe i'm addressing this wrong because i want I'm trying to motivate my own husband to be vo- more vocal about it. Like, I know he agrees with me. I know he he's with me. He supports it. He, he's so he's so in this conversation because it's so constant in my house. Yeah. And still, I haven't managed to motivate him to publicly from himself say something. So that
2: means that it's not working you know yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's also that it, you know there's part of me that's kind of like it's compassion that we it, it is you know whether, whether a man has a sister or a niece or a daughter or a wife maybe he doesn't have any of those things but if he just has an element of compassion and hum- humanity then he can relate to another human being being in pain but then I was also just thinking um, on my two track mind of, of sort of like those situations where maybe you are in a work setting and there is that element going on and what are you going to give up guys what men what are you actually going to sacrifice real real talk to say even to somebody who is maybe your promotion is in their their hands and are you going to say that's not that's that's not cool. That's not acceptable. I don't know what the vocabulary is. Uh, so how are they supposed to know what, but, but to sacrifice yeah. to, but do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm mm. saying?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think another, another thing to just maybe another thing that needs to be framed. And again, in that video that I did, I was trying to frame uh, the vocabulary is very important just in general. And I think one of the reasons why maybe men have, have sort of been uh, able to not really take an active part in this is because it has been framed as a woman's issue you know it's been framed as a women's safety issue even in the press even in the news even the the taglines that you see underneath it's been framed as something that just has nothing to do with men Mm -hmm. and that could also be a part of the bigger problem because actually it's not really a, a women's safety issue it's you know a male violence issue um Uh, you know, 90, what is it, 96% of killers worldwide are in fact male. And we don't need to apologize when we say that, because that's a fact. Mm. It's a statistic, Mm, you know, like, and I think our outrage about being, you know, uh, subject to male violence is not addressed at all men. So let's stop just talking about that, move on from that, you know. Um, And actually, male violence affects males and men even more than it does women. Uh, So really, if we put that, that as the subject and that as the issue then maybe more men would actually kind
0: of come on board and have uh, i don't know more say in it i don't know mm. yeah mm. can we move on to um sure. i mean it's all in a similar sort of vein but uh, you know us people have been had their head under a rock they're going to know all about the Oprah Winfrey interview with um, Meghan and Harry and the very welcome and very public demise of Piers Morgan Um, (laughs) I'm I'm just going to say that (laughs) Um, and you know in that interview you know Meghan opened up about feeling suicidal and the racism that she'd encountered and neither of which as far as I'm concerned are up for anyone to debate and yet you know straight away that bullying um, discrediting and attempts to shut her down. Like continued again. I was going to say started, but they've they've been going on for for ages. Um, and I know we've got rid of Piers Morgan now. Like who gives a fuck about him? But it wasn't just from him. So yeah. you know, I'd really like to know your thoughts on who is doing that and why are they doing it? That sort of discrediting somebody who's talked about suicidal feelings, or you know, uh, uh, you know, white people sort of making comments about whether or not she experienced racism. Why is that going on? What is going on there? I know you've talked about it on Instagram, but I want so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, like I'm sure, I'm sure there's so many things that are are play a part here and. I think, uh, well, I think for my, what I've learned is to, is to always kind of like be open to the possibility that there's more than two sides to each story. Yes. I think we've been yes, we've, yes, we're yes. brought mm. up to think that you're, there's only two sides. Yes. There's always like two sides to the story. It's black or white. It's yes or no. And that's very dividing just as ge- in general. And actually in most cases, that's, there's always much more, much more to that. So I didn't, like to get into the question of whether or not she did feel suicidal, whether or not they did leave or they were told to leave or the, because I don't know. And any of us know, and like you said, especially with her thought feelings are so subjective and her own, like who is anybody to really question that. But to me, what, it, what, what, what I took away from it was that people were outraged by the, the cheek of her that shake you know like how dare she because anytime a woman is vocal anytime um or a lot of times when w- women are vocal and they step out of that kind of you know roles that are acceptable in society for women to be or to play um it's not really. People don't like it. You, simply, you see like just people not knowing how to handle yeah, and it. Yeah, not just men. Other women no. don't like mm. it. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's true. It's true. And uh, and I I I sort of focused my my intentions on that because for me that was the thing that. I took away from it more than everything, more than anything, you know, because I I saw Pierce uh, Morgans and I know we don't want to talk about him, but I saw his reaction before I had seen the full interview and it was such a strong reaction. It was so angry. And then of course, I saw a lot of online stuff and it was so much anger. And I thought, wow, she must've really laid it on. Like that interview must've been really explosive. And then I watched it and I was Mm. like, did I miss something as I stood up to go get a tea? Okay, I'm going to watch it again. And I literally sat there and watched it twice just to make sure that I hadn't missed something. You know, she hadn't called the, the queen the C word or
1: something. <laughs> like, oh
3: my God, what did she say? And I could not understand the rage. So I think the rage comes from there. I think mm. it comes from, again, that kind of misogynistic, uh, you know, sort of, uh, how do you say, Um, reality whatever you want to call it that we, we 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 function in and anything that doesn't fit with that is very 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 uh infuriating and and
2: yeah yeah you know it does remind me of a guy who um i kind of went on a date with and spent like an evening with and we had a few drinks um And listen, I'm not saying I'm Meghan Markle and I'm not saying he was (laughs) Piers Morgan, but um, I just, uh, like, we, I just didn't, I was just like, oh, that was a nice night. But, and he, I mean, I'm not saying he stalked me, but he was just... Like, uh, like, really shitty. Like, mm. couldn't uh, So it's that thing. I mean, you know, all, this is all obviously, you know, uh, uh, for our lawyers, uh, any lawyers listening, allegedly they did go out and allegedly that was when she was on that show that she used to do suits and he maybe thought there was a thing and they had a nice time, but then he put her in a taxi yeah, and she, she went to a party. To him because he's a, yeah. you know. So the, uh, talk, <laughs> because talk of about who he so. is. <laughs>
3: No, well, but yeah. I don't think it's allegedly. By the way, because no. didn't he go on Loose Women and basically is it out there? Well, he framed it slightly differently. But I think the fact that she ghosted him is not allegedly. Like he no. said, he admitted this. Uh, you know, he, he he framed it slightly differently. We you
2: know? we all know those guys though, don't we? Who are like you're missing out on this? Mm. <laughs> you know, we know those guys, don't we? Who are just sort of like
0: like, like just. Can't conceive how you wouldn't want to go on a second date with them. No, but you can see why, because, I think as women, we have learned and we've touched on this earlier, you know, that keeping men happy, generally, that works best for us. Yeah.
3: Well, it's so weird that you would say that because I saw a video on TikTok literally by oh God, I wish I knew what the creator's name is to credit her. But she talked exactly about that, about how women we sort of have learned that it's easier or better Mm. for us if we just don't reject men because Mm. rejection could lead to anger react you know sort and, of like not and not being safe bad things so yeah. it's better to just not reject men uh, and i just thought wow like mm. i i hadn't thought of that uh because each woman's experience is different and i couldn't think of a point where i could relate to it but i could see why
0: that could possibly be true for a lot yeah. of other women and yeah. it all feeds into because i, I think also even as women we don't well you've just said you hadn't thought about it i don't think we even recognize it in ourselves it's not like a conscious mm. decision that we go i must keep men happy but <laughs> generally subconsciously we know let's you know let's just not the rock, not rock the boat because you know until really really recently all media has portrayed women as nice nurturing gentle meek um and men i think have learned, and part of that is through the way we are as well that when women are kept down, life is easier on them um so I suppose yeah, that's this this is why all this goes on, isn't it? yeah, you know, so. I think by the way
3: that the media and society like portrayal of women is as you said, on the one hand uh, you know demure virgin's wife, mother, saint, blah blah blah. But then the other side, got back to this either black or white, it's good or bad. So it's like either saint or whore, you know, wife or slut, like, you know, you're either wife or or other woman. Like, it's very difficult to find other shades of gray of women anywhere, portrayed anywhere. And uh, I've had I've had um, experience myself again. I'm not Meghan Markle, but I had experience (laughs) whereby, you know, I've tried to tell my story from my point of view, which is a woman's point of view, which has very, very no offense to any male listeners out there. You guys are great. But what I do is for I want to talk to women um, and if any men want to listen, that's awesome. But my agenda is a female gaze and not a male gaze because there isn't enough of that, I don't think. So uh, when I wanted to tell my story about whatever it was, um, it got rejected by you know, mainstream media, What they weren't interested, they wanted the filth. And I even had a reporter say to me, uh, and this is a direct quote, and I won't say which paper it was, and I won't say who she was, because she was lovely, right? But she did say to me, um, I need more to satisfy my male editor.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Well. Well and that we says go. it all doesn't yeah, it really and does that says yeah. it all yes yeah.
3: so all the stories about women in the paper are through that male editor yeah. and as you said before and i know you keep saying it you're right i think female editors sometimes are tempted to do that as well mm-hmm. uh because of that kind of brainwash and like the nor- how yeah. how much it's normal yeah. it's normalized yeah mm-hmm. but that's why it's a, that's why i think social media has played a massive role i think because you suddenly have outlets that are not regulated by necessarily those uh advertisers or the clickbaity thing and unfortunately they reach less people but they do reach people you know um yeah. and and it's good you know with all the shit that happens on social media like fake news and not being regulated is also very very bad but hopefully mm. you follow some people who have researched and have actually fact checked
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah just going back to what you were saying before about social media having a big role to play in these messages and wider conversations. What would you say to someone who declines to engage at all in social media and doesn't look, doesn't engage? I know it's a personal choice, but obviously there is a load of shit on social media, but you can filter that out.
3: I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, that question of whether or not we're getting the whole truth and nothing but the truth and is it really objective is like a great question. The answer is probably no, but I don't know, again, for sure, because like anything that has a, um, you know, an agenda or like sponsorship, like anything that has advertisers is already problematic, in my opinion, because you are you don't wanna lose your advertisers and your advertisers might be, you know, more political to this side or to that side or more into whatever, so it's an issue. And by the way, social media has the exact same problem. Uh, you know, uh, Instagram, Facebook are, are you know, heavily supported by their partners, their advertisers. And I find that a lot of the stuff that I put out there gets not blocked in the sense that they actually remove it, but it just doesn't get the reach that it would or should. And, uh, you know, And some of my things have been flagged because of certain words or whatever. So freedom of speech is limited within what advertisers want to hear. (laughs) Um, They're happy to put their money behind. So to answer your question, no. But I think what helps actually um, is, you know, fact checking and just making sure that you have more than one source of where you get your news is super important. I like to also watch news from the world because I think it's important to see how outside sees us rather than just how we see ourselves. And um, and also, I think opinions from people who are smart and who have researched and looked into things and that is their field. Of expertise, you know, um, is really important.
0: It's the million, million dollar question. And I get the feeling that you, when you, I know you go on and do sort of, you know, sort of big long sort of, I want to say the word rant, but that sounds, that doesn't sound like a very kind word. (laughs) Makes it sound like you're hysterical or something. But you know, you will give (laughs) give a big old. It's not like that, and you're not like that at all. But you will give your opinion in a big sort of recording on um, Instagram. Mm. But uh, am I right in thinking that you, you don't just like? I mean, obviously, it's your opinion, but you've you've checked that, you've made sure, you've had a look into each thing before you. You sound like you know what you're talking about, and it's informed, <laughs> and you know. So sounded,
3: as long as you say it with convictions, you say, it sounds amazing. No idea if it's true, but isn't that the problem? Right? Isn't that the problem? Because some people have um, amazing charisma and ability to. Mm talk like with great conviction and they're very believable. So you assume that it's right. I always say fact check. And you know what? Yeah. Sometimes people do say to me, hey, Tova, yeah, that was great. But did you also know that was this researcher that I oh, I think it's great when people do that? Yeah. That's amazing to add to that and go, mm-hmm. right. I didn't see that research. I didn't know about that. I'm not an expert in any of the fields that I talk about. Honestly, I uh, I just have opinions. No, but and you I'm don't very, pretend to
0: be. So Yeah,
3: and you know. I'm very passionate mm-hmm. about women and women's rights. And that's always been at the heart of what I do. So for me, I'm I. that's always going to be the agenda that I advocate. And I try my absolute best to um, be informed about the topic that I'm talking about. But as a non-expert, I completely, mm. completely accept feedback and challenges because I'm sure, you know, yeah. th-
0: they're justified. <laughs> but I think that's probably, that's why you are you know, you're clearly very loved and respected I mean you've got a an enormous Instagram following and you know and there's a reason for that because as Thank you it. say you're not presenting yourself as an expert but you are you're you're not a people pleaser you're very relatable and yeah on all of those things you're happy to you want to you want to learn and you want to so I yeah that's that's why you're very liked. Thank you.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Tova. No. Thank you for your time. Thank you ever so much, Tova. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Hold Up.